What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 36 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Roscoe, and what an unbelievable card we have for you guys today to cover. It is Travers Weekend. Happy Travers Weekend, everybody. Whoever celebrates out there, I know all of you that are watching this show will obviously be celebrating this weekend, but the personal ensign is this Friday covered by the massive battle between Nest and Clarier. Some argue some other horses. I don't think that's uh, too, um, it's not a far out claim, but I don't think that's what's going to be happening on Friday. But obviously we will get into all of that and much, much more on the late pick five at Friday on Saratoga. But guys, thank you guys all for joining in. Greatly appreciate it as always, as we wouldn't have this show without you guys. So we're going to go pretty quickly here through the peripherals. We're not going to waste everyone's time. We're going to get right in to the late pick five on Friday. As you see scrolling on the bottom, email is betting and boozing just like the title says at gmail.com any questions comments concerns please feel free to email me uh please go below the video player and hit subscribe the like button and the notification bell it it not only lets you know about every single podcast that comes up on the hhh racing podcast network but also it pushes this video out into the youtube algorithm which will only get more people watching this show and for that obviously we thank you very much please like comment subscribe and hit the notification bell as you see scrolling on the bottom of the screen as well the next show tomorrow howard pete paul are covering the late pick five on saturday for travers for the travers stakes including four grade ones in the late pick five the forego is race seven therefore is out of the late pick five but there's still four obviously being capped off by the 1.25 million dollar travers stakes but um real quick if t- yesterday's podcast if you guys did not see it howard and paul brought on jenna antonucci and richard migliori if you guys have not watched that show yet i would highly highly recommend you go watch it jen they talked to jenna about not only everything with arcangelo leading up to this weekend but obviously her background as a trainer and richard migliori everything he thinks for this weekend and all his background and everything i always love to hear richard's stories as we did when we end up when patrick i and the rest of the gang went up to saratoga for that weekend but guys like i said if you have not watched that i would highly highly recommend it is a it was two very very good interviews with two very very likable people so please check that out if you haven't already if you're more of an audio listener please go apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor search up hhh racing podcast so you'll be and be able to catch not only every episode of betting and boozing but every single episode uh, every single podcast excuse me that gets uploaded to the hhh racing podcast channel is uploaded there as well again apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor the regular power picks guys 15.99 a month comes out to four dollars a weekend that is four dollars for two tracks of price plays spot plays abc grids full card top three picks everything you could desire for for one card for four dollars and you get two of them for only four dollars a weekend if you have not subscribed it you are missing out on the very cheap very profitable power picks again the year-to-date roi is positive and Ever since they started doing it about a year and a half ago, two years ago, it is still positive ROI. I believe it's 2.35 right now. If you guys aren't subscribed, you guys are missing out. Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. And again, Saratoga only power picks. You guys have until tomorrow morning to sign up for this weekend. Again, this is the biggest weekend for Saratoga, the Traverse Stakes. Please sign up. You guys are going to miss out on a lot of a lot of content if you guys don't sign up it is twenty dollars for all three days of traverse stakes weekend we have what we're talking about friday with the personal ensign 
Saturday, including five grade ones, and Sunday with the New York with the New York Breads taking the stage and their New York Bread Stakes day on Sunday. Guys, again, you're missing out. Uh, HHHRacingPodcast.com at the top a banner. It says Power Pack Power Picks Tip Sheet, or you can go into the description of this video to check them out. But guys, we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right into it. I'm going to bring on my co-hosts real quick from East New Jersey, who we thought was going to be late today, but he showed up on time. Patrick Kunsel and Charlie Freeman. Boys, what's going on? Nothing much. How we doing, Charlie? Uh, different, I was going uh, to say, Charlie, there. got that different background, huh, with that garbage on the, on the wall in the back there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a different setup, finally. Now that got the big apartment with my brother, it's quieter, which is nice. And, yeah, we've upgraded from betting and boozing back to betting and boozing. And now that we're back here, uh, I won't comment on what I'll do, but let's just say there might be some boozing. <laughs> No, uh, no betting and snoozing. That's for damn sure. But uh, no. guys, thanks for joining the show. We're gonna go over. We got a few people here. They'll come. They'll continue to trickle in as they always do throughout. Richard Avalar is here. Mid, great picks at Del Mar. You hit pick five twenty five hundred dollars on Saturday. I mean, look. I mean, that's the one time, right, Richard? Where I I hate that I don't play pick fives anymore because I play wins and doubles. But Hey, I mean, Anna said rolling home. That's still one of the uh, one of the most impressive moves I've seen in a long time. I mean, I said mentioned this to this group and obviously with Howard and all them. I mean, that horse went from last to first and what like an eighth of a mile, like a furlong. It was insane. Richard, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the kind words. I greatly appreciate it again. Charles B is always here. She was making money every time. Must uh, follow fantastic analysis. Thanks so much, Charles. Again, I know you've been one of the longest supporters of not only Ben and Boozum, but the podcast in general, Charles, thanks so much for the kind words and thanks so much for joining the show. But guys, like I said, we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get right into it here. The late pick four, late pick five on Friday starts with race six. It is a maiden special weight, $136,000 for six furlongs on the dirt. And not to be outdone, we have Jim Pilar's, here he's always here i know jim you're probably one the, the longest supporter if not one of them so jim thanks so much for joining the show as well um main focus is just posted right up on apollo 10 in the comments section where he was mentioned and someone else in this call has something some big words to talk about apollo 10 i won't spoil who but you will see coming up main focus thanks so much for joining the show greatly appreciate it but guys getting into the first race again it starts in race six Main special weight going six furlongs on the dirt. A field of eight is carded for this spot with the morning line favorite being the number six. Fierceness for Irad, Pletcher, and, and a Rapoli homebred at two to one. As I bring up the picks right now, I'm going to bring them up. We are all going with the number six, Fierceness with the Rapoli homebred. Uh, Charlie, I'll let you go first to talk about her. But one thing I want to mention before we switch to the PPs, there is a very um, – a very rough situation today at Saratoga on the first turn. Um, I don't, Howard, Patrick, you remember the name of the horse, right? I cannot remember the name of the horse. Uh, um, it's bright something yes, like that. Sorry, something. someone if someone has the horse, please put it in the chat. But Luis Saez was injured. The horse went down. Unfortunately, had to be uh, euthanized. But Luis Saez has a dislocated collarbone and a slight fractured left wrist. So Luis Saez was, is now out. Indefinitely, uh, thankfully, it doesn't look like it needs surgery, but he will be out indefinitely, which includes all of his mounts this weekend and, and including Mage for Saturday. So everyone keep in mind that Louis Size is off all mounts for this weekend, which includes obviously 
Air of Defiance, the number one, the second choice on the morning line. Burning Bright. Thanks so much, Howard. Greatly appreciate it. I knew it was something bright. I just might. You guys know my ADD. Can never remember anything. But switching over the picks, Charlie, I'm going to let you talk about Fierceness first. What made you put this horse on top? Yeah, so obviously I'm in with the Rapoli stable. I'm sure it's going to stick out to a bunch of people. And the fact that you've got Pletcher linking up with Irad once again, one of the most consistent duos you'll find uh, in the game right now. Uh, for me, obviously, the horse seems very well meant. The workouts look very strong for him. I mean, a 48, 47 and two, a minute and three. So the horse is certainly working forwardly. And again, Pletcher's not necessarily known for making uh, his horses work that forwardly. He's had plenty of horses that have opened favorite or gone favorite that might not have the best workouts that sent out on the page, but simply because of the connections, people respect them. So when I see a horse working this well for Pletcher, certainly catches my eye. Uh, and I'll let you guys touch on it more as well, because I know you guys both have the six, but I was pretty surprised that the five live and second change of command is open at eight to one. I mean, obviously the horse going for over a million, not cheap by any means, picks up Jose Ortiz, who I know a lot of people sometimes call him just like the other Ortiz because he's not Irad, but he's at a very good meet in his own respect. Uh, another horse that's working forwardly, and certainly any horse that's going for that kind of money and, again, at least working somewhat well has to be noted to should at least do some money in the spot. And this is one of $2 million purchases in this field. Um, the one, the five change of command and the horse on the outside daily grind who did no running whatsoever in this first start, but change of command is definitely interesting working forwardly for Suge who usually again, doesn't ramp up his, uh, starters first time. It's been a rough meet for Suge. So hopefully change of command can run for you, Charlie, but as opposed to fierceness, I mean, when you get a Pletcher's working like this, Rapoli homebred city of light wins at 15% for his two year old first time starters. I believe it was out of a 56 horse sample size, but there is many, uh, many things pointing to this being a really good debut for fierceness. Plus I like that this horse has drawn towards the outside, but uh, Patrick, I'm gonna let you talk about uh, Apollo 10 who you like a lot. And so does maiden focus in the chat. Yeah, um, I didn't get to see what Main Focus said uh, in the chat previously on our other show, but I'll tell you, yeah. you know, knowing what uh, Deterministic did um, for Clement um, in that uh, August fifth, uh, well, when he last ran, and then the two of the both of them worked together on August fifth, and Apollo Ten hung right in there with Deterministic, who came back and ran huge. Yeah. Um, and I know the boss, um, you know, got a little intel on Deterministic. Uh, before that horse ran in that race. And that was a loaded, loaded maiden race. Um, so I think Apollo 10 is going to be live um, in a spot where uh, you should get a square price, just like Deterministic was, because this one's loaded as well. Yeah. And the nice thing, the thing that um, I think will come out on Apollo 10, that if it was wor- uh, if he was working with Deterministic, you might not get that eight to one just because of yeah. the buzz created a little bit around how good that horse showed up in debut. But Apollo 10 is definitely one to keep in mind as well. Um, I have the number two and Jesus and something along the lines of, I don't even know. Some probably Greek name would be my guess. And I apologize to all my Greek family out there. If they ever listen to this, I'm going to get one for that. If I pronounce this wrong, but uh, showed up well on debut behind Billy, the Greek who unfortunately didn't do much running, although he did run off the turf in the Skidmore uh, stakes in that spot. But and Keith says, I like that. I don't like that this horse is drawn towards the inside, but I do like the experience that this horse has shown a little bit of grit, um, just kind of just kind of steady gain. Didn't really fire off too much in the last race. I'm hoping to get 
a little bit um, a little bit better spot. And hopefully second time out for Bill Mott, this horse will be ready off the experience. And I have Air Defiance in third, who Patrick, you do as well. Luis Saez obviously off the mound, as I stated first. Not the biggest worker by any means, but bred extremely well. Ghost Sapper Mare, quality road would be, I mean, for me, that might mean just that this horse wants to go a little bit longer, which is why I have this horse in third. But Gold Square, this horse is extremely well meant. Um, this horse should come out firing from the rail. But obviously, I'm not a big, I'm not the biggest fan of two-year-olds against the rail either. But Charlie, I'll let you finish out with Wajda here or Wada, I'm assuming it's Wajda, for Chad, Flavian Pratt, Flanagan Racing. Yeah, I'm glad I let you pronounce the name. I was really hoping you would do it for me. Uh, yeah, for me, it was just quite simple. Flavian Pratt's having a good meet. Chad Brown's one of the best in the business. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot in the show because we've been covering a lot of the baby races lately, that especially just anytime really uh, recently that there's like a Chad Brown horse or a Todd Pletcher horse, it always seems like one of them wins. And for some reason lately, at least from my experience, I've been getting it wrong, where the one that's the in theory should be better and the better odds ends up disappointing and the other one wins. So wasn't going to let that happen to me again. So I may try to throw Chad Brown somewhere because, quite frankly, he wins a lot. He's one of the best in the business. You could argue he's the best. So I had to put his horse somewhere. Again, picks up Pratt. The horse is still working forwardly, too. Wasn't cheap either. So nothing, you know, it's not like the horse doesn't look good as well. But, uh, yeah, I do think, in theory, fierceness should be in very tough in this spot, though. I don't disagree with you. And, obviously, the the great thing about a race like this is having – we say it all the time is it feels like every time we've covered Saratoga, it starts with one of these baby races. But exactly. watching the board is going to be your best friend. Watching where the money is going, not only in the wind pool, but look at the doubles will pays, look at the doubles probables. Stuff like that can give you a little bit better indication on what the horses look like um, with that money locked up rather than the wind pool that can change on a dime that we always see all the time, especially at places that are taking so much money like Saratoga. So keep an eye on the board, guys. It is definitely your friend in a race like this. I'm going 6-2-1. Peck's going 6-3-1. Charlie's going 6-5-4. And Maiden Focus points out that Anquisas was working with La Morna, who was a horse I really liked in the power picks. And it, I swear, I think every horse I picked in the power picks got third. I was I was extremely upset, but Lamorna ran pretty well in debut, stretching out or on a second out, um, ran well stretching out, but just not enough. But um, that is where you look. Toyport action. Uh, so maiden focuses toport action on maidens is way overrated. You don't want short prices, but it indicates who um, who's going to be forwardly. In, this, in these types of races, especially with these two-year-old babies. There's a lot of inside reports. There's a lot of good looks at the workouts and stuff like that. And obviously, that's where the money is going to follow. Usually in these main races, the money can be very telling on who is going to run. You know, sometimes you get bombs, which will always be the case in this game. But usually the money, where the money goes, the money tells. At least that's the way I see it. And um, going on to race number seven, guys. It is a allowance optional claiming 62.5 for non-winners of two races other than going six furlongs on the dirt. Draws another field of eight as I switch over to the Equibase right now. The morning line favorite is a pretty steady morning line favorite at eight to five. Headland for Jose Ortiz, Linda Rice as I switch over right now. Only Charlie is going with the morning line favorite of Headland. Charlie, I'll let you go first again since you have the morning line favorite. What did you like most about Headland? Yeah, for me, it was just, again, something we've talked about on the show is just 
consistency. And really, I mean, the horse was running decent figures, but nothing really to, you know, jump off the page, running a bunch of high 70s and into the low 80s. We're like, all right, you know, for this field, like that's respectable enough to be competitive. But then all of a sudden, once June came around, the horse just really decided to wake up. And it's weird because it wasn't really a surface change, wasn't a distance, but Tyler Gaffleone found something and then Lescano kind of kept it going. Uh, now gets Jose Ortiz uh, with Linda Rice, who, you know, kind of obviously, as you had mentioned before, cooled down a little bit, but, you know, had a few recent wins and it started to get going. But for me, I just like the fact that this horse has some versatility, can sit right on the front or just off and makes a move. Certainly will be forwardly paced and has some of, you know, the most early speed in this field, but has run two massive numbers with the 89 and then the 93. And I was kind of, Happy to see the Saratoga figure up because I know sometimes at Ellis Park and some of these other tracks that a strong figure there doesn't always translate to Saratoga, but it looked like it did for Headland. And I just feel like any sort of repeat effort anywhere around that range should make this horse very tough. And I certainly think is a deserved eight to five favor. Now, I don't love the price. I would personally hope that the horse would float closer to two to three to one ish or five to two. Um, but to me, still seemed like the clear and obvious top pick. Patrick, I don't know how you felt about Headland. It just almost seemed, I mean, this horse is seven. He's getting – or she – take a drink. Um, she is getting up there in age. And it's almost just like that cl- drop to claiming really helped her out. And it goes to Lindenbar and just fires another massive number. I mean, this you haven't seen this from her in many years, it almost seems like. Yeah, and, and she's starting to cool down a little bit for what it's worth. She did have two wins today, I get it. But she, her ROI has not been very good of, re- of late. And I really don't know who Headland beat last time out that gets me um, – you know, there is one horse. Um, but obviously it's a five horse field, but Rosebug is a horse I really like for Bill Mott. But your yeah. point is taken because I mean, perfect. I, I think this is a tough, I think this is a tougher spot. And I think horses like who I have, um, you know, to segue into my pick, um, who I have, uh, in uh, on the ones and twos for uh, Norm Cassie, who is just, I mean, <laughs> his stats are just insane. Like, we think Linda Rice is having a good a good meet, which she is, but uh, I mean, the way uh, Norm Cassie's going too, he, you know, he's getting what uh, ones and twos um, off the layoff second off the layoff after, you know, running uh, at the end of July, uh, just really didn't, the horse really didn't run too much faced a competitive field. Um, I just think that horse needed one and uh, she should be ready to go um, coming back. Yeah. And one on the ones and twos, the only thing I, I do like that, uh, she draws outside speed here. Yeah, as you'll see from my top pick, I think there's a lot of horses that want to go to the front in this type of race. We'll just go through the field real quick, and I'll talk about my top pick. Uh, you look cold is going to want to sit off as who I have on top. Unsung Melody, especially from the inside, is going. Uh, Headland is not slow and most likely will want to go. Uh, repealing is automatic go. Hydra, the only the only chance in my opinion that this horse has to win is pretty much go at least top flight easy to bless is a horse that likes to be forwardly placed, but doesn't need to be And first act is not going to be there on the ones and twos being the outside speed is also going to have to go from the other corner. So um, there's just a lot of different speed in this race, but on the ones and twos who I have in second, certainly to me looks the speed of the speed. If you go two, three back, especially going a little bit shorter, I like you look cold in this type of spot. I think he's much better at six, I understand that he came from Goldstream, where his biggest, where his semi-biggest numbers were. Runs at Belmont, loses to Rosebug, who um, the eight beat last time out. But Rosebug, being a really nice horse in her own right, I'm willing to look another way with or look at another shot with you. Look cold for Bill. 
um, just looks to sit a trip from the rail, a nice stalking trip um, in like the sixth position with a little bit faster pace. I mean, if you look at these races at Gulfstream and Belmont, they're going 22 and four to the quarter and then 46 and two. I mean, those are basically 24 second intervals. I mean, again, 22 and three, 46 and one. That's another 23 and three intervals. So getting those breathers in the middle definitely means um, a lot for a horse that could be pace dependent. Like you look cold. I think she just gets the setup in this type of race from the rail. Joel hopefully can kick her out at the top of the stretch and blow by. I like you look cold a lot in this spot. Charlie, I'll let you touch on uh, your third pick and Patrick I'll let you touch on and we'll move on. The number seven is who you have in third, Charlie. First to act, Suge McGahee picks up I read. Yeah, so real quick with you look cold, I had the same angle you did. That's why I've kind of hit on this on the show. I think you have too, Kyle, where you kind of just look for two horses with different styles in the hopes that, you know, that one will kind of help benefit the other and vice versa. That in case one falters, like if the three ends up running out of gas, I think the one, as you mentioned, will set a perfect tripping and might close up in time. But in case the three does hold off, which I expect, put it underneath. Uh, My angle with first to act uh, was kind of simple for me. I mean, picks up IRAD, uh, just did not run well last time out off the layoff, but, you know, has shown with IRAD in the past at Saratoga some very strong figures that would definitely be good enough to be the best horse in this field and get a price on a horse where if the horse returns, uh, you know, to prime form would probably be the best horse to beat. You look at the races that First Act has been running in by far the best competition of any horse in this field, uh, and it comes back with a bullet workout in 36-2. and two. So the horse does look to be working forwardly. I also like, from a pace perspective, could sit a really nice trip, you know, just off that early speed because uh, first act still has a lot of early speed but prefers to sit right off the leaders, which could be very beneficial. Uh, you know, it was first time out off a long layoff. So I guess my angle was kind of if this horse takes that step forward second time out with IRAD and runs huge, you could be looking at a really nice price for a horse with a step back to the pass could win this race. Yeah, and first to act was with that horse that um, I didn't have in my top three, but I found very interesting just based on her back form. I mean, maybe she's just not the horse she was at four, which is definitely the case. could be the case. Coming back 2023, she maybe just needed one, could be another point. But um, this could be a very interesting spot for Suge and Ired. Obviously, Suge still has uh, – this should be viewed as a little bit of a class drop, but brings her over to Saratoga when he could have easily kept her – at Monmouth in an allowance or an optional claiming, I think first act could be very interesting um, in the mix. But Patrick, the last horse we'll talk about before we move on, Unsung Melody, you have in third. Talk about uh, how you what her chances you think are uh, before we move on. Yeah, I just think this horse didn't want um, the uh, mile and uh, out of the Wilt, you know, in the yep. Wilton. I think she could get back to six furlongs. You know, she has early speed. You know, she kind of only has one speed, which could be a problem. I do understand that. But she's also another one that's faced tough. Um, And, you know, uh, John Ortiz has been, you know, for the minimal amount of horses that he brings up to Saratoga, he's been hitting well with them. So I think this horse, um, if it can revert back to the six furlong race uh, at Ellis, you know, I get the front end speed that, you know, might favor there. But I think this horse fits if she can come back to that. I mean, so Unsung Melody is definitely the horse that's going to take money just based on running line alone, I think. If you look back, I mean, Merlaza, Punchbowl, Sacred Wish, Into Love, Undervalued Asset, Randomized in the last one. That Uh ring a bell? There you go. I mean, it's just the fact of this. I mean, she's she's not bad. I mean, the 84 definitely could show up again. But just the company she's been running in is going to allow Unsung Melody to take more money. 
then obviously she's worth, and we'll see who jumps on uh, Unsung Melly instead of Louis Saez, who I would like a lot more if um, Louis Saez was on her, as he tends to be a lot more aggressive than other jockeys, at least in my opinion. So Unsung Melly could be very interesting, but as I stated before, this field is definitely not short of pace. I'm going one eight three. Patrick's going eight three two. Charlie's going three one seven. Guys, switching over to race number eight. Here it is the one before the big one. It's a very nice allowance race, going a mile and three eighths on the turf for 150. But before I switch to the PPs right now, guys, um, the elephant in the room is obviously the weather. The weather does not look very good this night tomorrow and Friday especially. So what we're doing right now is we're handicapped for turf, but I have dirt picks ready to go, and I will give my analysis. I don't know if you guys looked at it for off turf by any means, but I will definitely be able to give you guys analysis on what I think will happen if the race does come off turf. But either way, I'll let that I'll let the boys talk about, and obviously I'll talk about my turf picks, but we will surely be – more more focused on the dirt picks as well. Just want to give you guys as much analysis as we can going into this Friday where there's a lot of mystery and unknown, obviously, as there always is with the weather. But, guys, it draws a full field of a decent field of nine with the morning line favorite being the coupled entry on the inside, obviously not um, on the inside, post position three and post position eight, but the number one, uh, Avenue Nile and Okovska for – Clement and Graham Motion, both two to one. And uh, the second choice is Anatolian for Manny Franco, Mike Maker at three to one. So bringing up the picks right now as I switch over to the PPs. And as you'll see, my picks, my turf picks are obviously in front in the parentheses. Those are my dirt picks. We all had the same three horses in this race. Charlie, you are going with me as well with the number four Anatolian. But Patrick, you're going with the couple entry. I'm assuming you gave me the number one Avenue Nile is your top pick. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a, this is a tough, tough race. Um, I, I just, you know, this horse comes from uh, overseas and just the horse didn't, you know, a horse showed improvement throughout the race, but just didn't really feel like it fit um, in that spot and, you know, needed a race over here uh, and, and, you know, has been working well for Christoph. I, I just think that she, gets another trip at this distance um, on the turf course and she should improve in this spot. But, you know, I, I can't stand these entries from a betting standpoint. It's just not fun. Um, I was trying to pick another horse, but I just think this horse is going to improve greatly off that last race. I mean, easily could just coming off that long layoff um, and obviously yeah. coming from the races she's been running in. If it does go on the turf at a softer turf, um, She'll definitely appreciate a little bit of giving the ground. The one I think will be a lot more, will take a lot more money if it comes up soft, which based on the weather, it looks like it, if they even stay on the turf, but uh, the number one Avenue Nile and even the number number, uh, even the one a also has very good soft turf form. So the one is definitely not to be taken lightly in this spot, but Charlie, you and I both have the number four Anatolian in first uh, coming off to, Paired by our top in the last two, we'll need to improve, but she sure looks ready to do it. Yeah, you know, again, we've talked. I've talked about this before. I love consistency, and yeah, Anatolian doesn't have some number that jumps off the page. Sorry. But you know, if you look at some of these other horses where they have struggled, you honestly look ever since 
the layoff from July of 22, every race has been in the 70s and has been, you know, slowly but surely stepping up forward. But I also feel like when you go to these longer races, it's not as easy to have one of those, you know, jump off the page, high 80s, 90 figure that maybe you could see in a sprint or a six, a five, six for a long race. Um, I like that Manny Franco's back on the saddle. When I watched the replay, I really felt like he gave the horse the best possible trip he could execute. And the horse did look like it was running huge late. But ultimately, I believe the horse that won was the not like heavy favorite, but the clear favorite and just flew by late. Nothing really Anatolian could do after briefly getting onto the lead for as short as it lasted. Uh, but yeah, I love Michael Maker. I just, uh, the horse has been working forwardly with a very solid workout at five furlongs. Uh, was at a bit of a price last time. Now it looks like with the new money morning line finally back to taking money again. Uh, and yeah, I think a, a similar effort to last time with a little step forward is certainly good enough to win. Um, this is a favorite uh, angle of Matt Bernier, who's a very uh, good friend of this podcast. Um, he loves the paired buyer top angle to be able to take a step forward. And even, even so, a 76 is not out of the realm of possibility for any of these horses in this oh. field, let alone, you know, if this horse improves to low 80s yep. in her, you know, in her fifth start for a four-year-old season, I think that's definitely within the realm. And I think she sits a really nice stocking trip in this spot. I'm very interested in Anatolian. But Patrick, I'll let you touch on the number six, um, Sweet Duchess, and then Charlie, I'll let you touch on anything before we move on. Before I give my dirt picks out, but she, I mean, she has back numbers, and it's even the last two, last three races would definitely be good enough to win this race. Yeah, I wasn't really sure why she was um, on the lead in that last race, but then I looked at the, um, you know, the speed in that race and the uh, the pace and the numbers uh, for the quarter and stuff like that, and it was slow, and I, I understood why. Um, I think they're going to revert back to coming from off the pace with this horse, uh, but it shows that she's tactical, which isn't a problem, especially going, you know, the mile and three eighths in this spot and, um, you know, faced a uh, tough competition. Uh, Chili flag did recently just run and actually did lose as odds on favorite, but, um, still a, a solid horse. So, uh, yeah, sweet Duchess, uh, you know, in this spot, you know, I'd, I'd hope to get a bit of a price, um, but she's mm -hmm. right in there with him. Yeah, and just I think based on figures alone, I don't think you're going to get a price. I think seven to two is a pretty fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, she hasn't won since uh, early 22 at Tampa Bay in a main special weight, but five seconds, five thirds. This was definitely one to be considered, at least in the money on your tickets. But Sweet Duchess, who's going to be a low price again, hasn't, I mean, being that she hasn't won in almost 20 months, is definitely one thing to be considered as well. But um, one question I want to touch on, Jim Pollard has put in the chat that um, the only one, the only win that uh, Anatolian had was a maiden 16 on turf, which is 100% correct at Gulfstream in May. So now I have to take a, was 12 to one in the last, now will be three to one here. He may beat me, but a pass on my tickets. Jim, that's a drink for you, my friend. It is a she, but anyway, <laughs> um, just Kyle's just mad looks... that you're going against his pick, Jim. It's no, okay. no, yeah. Well, you know me, man. You got to get pissed off when someone tells you you're wrong. But, Jim, I agree with you. It just, it just seems like this spot came up really light. And I think that um, even though the Philly kind of faded a little bit last time out, I think Jim, I think she appreciates the extra distance and being able to where she's um, being able to improve off those last two buyer tops, I think will be the pushover for Anatolian. But your point is definitely taken. But I think there's like horses like the six where there's a lot more question marks on the winning line than number four Anatolian. But like I said, Jim, your point is definitely taken. Charlie, I'll leave you the last word here. 
um, wherever you want to go, feel free to round, uh, round out your picks. Yeah, so actually a horse I don't have up here, but just wanted to touch on. While I do like Sweet Duchess, have the horse second, uh, the distance change will certainly be interesting. But as uh, you kind of noted, the only concern I have is, uh, you know, just the lack of odds and value that you might get. But a horse I just want to shout out was the, uh, I believe it's the eight, Lullaby Land, who I just think is interesting simply from a price point perspective. I don't know if you'll get eight to one. You honestly probably will. Picks up Jose Ortiz, uh, who seems to be the jockey that consistently from a buyer's perspective gets the most out of this horse. Uh, you see on June 1st, ran really well against Anatolian, who we both have up on top and didn't get the best trip as you see got bumped Uh started to make a gain and, you know, just stood right up, set right up there, you know, for a horse that shows doesn't necessarily have the best early speed and that race chose to sit a little closer up. So I like that versatility. Um, again, just for me, a, a horse that interests me to at least put underneath, because I feel like if you do want to lean with the one, the four, the six, I feel like you really just have to go with one of them because they're probably going to be the three horses taking all the money. Yep. Uh, and if you're looking for a horse, maybe put underneath to get value. The figures here certainly fit on this horse. I don't disagree with you. And the one thing that's interesting about this eight this is kind of the, um, even though he's not really working well at all, this horse never seems like that she has been a good worker. Um, so even the 52s don't really bother me by any means, but this is the one horse that's going to be your pace meltdown horse. If the pace melts down, which one of these horses is going to be the one that's coming late to pick up the pieces? Because realistically, Lola by Land has no speed at all, it seems like, in any spot like this. You see she's closing from 9th, 10th, 7th, 10th like 14, 16 lengths back. If the pace does get hot in this race and melt down, Lullaby Land is definitely one you'll want to have underneath. So um, one thing I want to touch on, we got nice words from the boss in the chat. So we obviously have to shout him out when the boss gives us nice words, but says he's so damn impressed the way these guys explain their selections, and their detailed analysis. They were good handicappers when we started the show, but they've upped their game big time. And a lot of agreed, uh, Charles B. Richard and Jim Polars. Thanks, guys, so much for all the kind words. We try to bring you guys what we can at our best. And obviously, um, starting this show out was an experiment early in January. But um, I think we've definitely flourished um, in the last few months. And especially since Saratoga started, we've really had to put our nose to the grindstone, per se, um, and get shit done, basically. But I'm glad you guys are enjoying it now. And I really appreciate all the kind words but guys moving on to the or no actually sorry excuse me before i go on i want to talk about the dirt so with the with um the weather looking as bad as it does there's three mtos on the outside the number 10 peak popularity the number 11 she caught my eye and the number 12 run devil i think there's two that are much above the third in this spot, I went with peak popularity on top. If this horse does go to the dirt, I really like this maiden breaker going a mile and a quarter at Churchill, which is never easy to do. Um, Florence Giroux, I think I think she just sits a very nice trip. A lot of upside also for peak popularity. And obviously, I talk about it all the time. But these off-the-turf races are just generally an easier spot when these MTOs get in. They're facing a lot of turf-meant horses that might not take to the dirt as well as these other races, like an allowance option claiming at Ellis where you're getting beat by 11 lengths. So peak popularity is extremely interesting. If this race gets taken off the dirt or off the turf, excuse me, and put on the dirt. So as she caught my eye, I mean, running at starter allowances, this was one of those horses that came back after nine days for Linda Rice ran second. The first ran third. The second time now gives her a little bit of time off as a four-year-old gets put into this spot that looks a little bit easier. She will be up front. 
And if peak popularity will sit a stalking trip is not able to get there. I think the one that will be the speed of the speed. If this race comes off the turf is the number 11. She caught my eye and real quick, the horse that in the main body that I think would stay on. That's a little bit interesting would be the number seven modern love for Ian Wilkes, Julian Leperu running in. This horse has always been meant for turf actually broke its mane on an off the turf race itself, but in a very soul paced, I think modern love, even though the figures are slow, Looks very interesting, at least for underneath. And I'm not sure how many would stay in. Obviously, it's, you know, the guessing game, as we all call it. But Modern Love would be the one that would pick up the pieces, I think, if this race was to come off the turf and only have about four or five horses. Modern Love could be ones to close out the underneaths. Um, I'm going 4-6-1. If it stays on the turf, 10-11-7 if it comes off. Patrick is 1-6-4. Charlie is 4 6 one guys moving on to the feature on the day and it is a very very nice race i argued that i mean this could be one of the best um one of the best grade ones we've seen all meets and i know it's only six horses but you have the really heavy hitters of the older phillies and mares division obviously led by the number five in this race nest who is your four to five morning line favorite the number six clarriere is your five to two second choice in idiomatic on the fence for Florent Giroux and Brad Cox, your three to one third choice. I understand you know, we, we all talk about these field sizes and how, you know, but I mean, these are again, your heavy hitters. You have idiomatic. Who's the up and comer in this division secret oath nest Clarier, even 63 caliber has been and a mainstay in this division, but also Arlington legend Wayne Catalano brings a horse over from Hawthorne who won at, um, I believe, an optional claiming at Hawthorne and now brings her over That's here great. ready to bang. And I love it. It's awesome. But Good for him, uh, you know, hey, this I mean, look, it's a five hundred thousand dollar purse in a six horse field. I mean, no matter what, you're going to probably win more than if you win another forty thousand. You know, maybe she gets fourth and she takes home a pretty decent chunk yeah. of the purse. But I am switching over the picks right now. So I'm going to play a game with the chat. We have a pretty decent viewership going. This is a perfect game, uh, a chat game. How many people do you think went with Nest in this spot? At least one of us did. Is it one, two, or three people going with Nest in this spot? I'll tell you what it should be. Um, but I want to see in the chat real quick how many people think we went with Nest. Michael Austin says two. Power, the boss says one. Matt Miller lurking in the chat says one. Chris Max says three. Michael Austin says one person. Um, let's see. Here's grade one, Judmont. Yeah, I get it. I agree with you. Ray McCauley says all three. Jim Pillard says hopefully all three. Well, I will go with you, and it is two. There's only one person that is crazy enough to not go with Ness in this spot, and it is the man to my direct right. Patrick, you have the floor to tell us why we're completely wrong and why you are going to win with Clarier. I'll tell you why, because the horse that gets the rail, idiomatic for Brad Cox, will send like there's no tomorrow and will make Nest sit a tough spot, and Clarier will pounce like she does with that closing famous kick she has. Um, listen... I don't like that I have to put my eggs in the basket on another horse to make Clarier, you know, how Clarier is going to win this race. But I, I just think that 
idiomatic's not going to win this race from coming off the pace. No. So she's going to have to take them the distance or as far as she can to have any chance. Um, you know, she's had trouble getting out of the gate sometimes, which this is idiomatic. I'm talking about, um, okay. which I'm a little concerned about. Um, but I, I just think Clarier, you know, she is, she is so good. And I, I just, I admire her so much for the way yep. she just keeps coming back a $3.1 million, um, earnings she's had in her career. I, I get nest is, you know, just unbelievable. And, you know, is, you know, comes off a layoff and runs a race like that. But that, you know, I, Honestly, I tossed that race for Clarier. Clarier is not running that type of race like that. So that's my opinion. No, I know you guys are going to say, you know, Nest is going to sit forward in front of Clarier and has the inside again. But, you know, I, you know, there's a funny thing why you say that, Patrick, because those are exactly the words. There's two words that comes to my mind. Clarier is extreme, like, like I for all you kids are uber talented is how talented she is. She is pace dependent which i think she and, i think she gets it in this race that's but why. my problem is is who goes with idiomatic is idiomatic just gonna run on the lead oh yes she's not good enough to get you know Ness gonna get the first jump on clarier and is Ness gonna relinquish the lead to clarier after a 40 uh, you know 48 and four half mile oh i don't I think just, i mean if they go 48, I think Idiomatic might win if they go 48, to be honest with you. Well, I I just don't see them going lightning I think they're going to – if I had to guess, they're going to fly. I see 23 Charlie. and 46, something like that. I Charlie, think they're Charlie, you got to back me up here, my friend. You are you are going with Ness as well. Do you see it the same way I do? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, the only other horse I see sending hey. it. Hey, and is, Howard, uh, hey, hey, we don't talk about that race anymore. There's a diff. Hey, and my point is, there's a difference between Secret Oath and Ness. Oh, but anyway, go ahead, Charlie. Compare Sorry. them. Yeah, well, that actually, I was actually going to touch on that. That's what I was going to say. Is I think that's the key difference that we're missing here is running down Secret Oath versus running down Nest and running down Idiomatic is just a whole different ball game. And I don't think you'll get the pace. I mean, look, unless Wayne Catalano pulls something out of his hat, where all of a sudden this two horse is just running incredibly forwardly too and can actually go toe-to-toe to idiomatic and set some incredible pace for Clarier. I just don't see it. I see the two stopping by, saying hi to everybody, saying, look at Arlington, like, look at us here. We made it, like, we stopped by at the big time races. Exactly. I, I see I see Chris Amy laughing, saying, you needed me to pull out a miracle. Dylan, or Day, he's not me. So I think this horse will stop by for a cup of coffee for the first quarter and then, you know, probably stop walk off. After a cup of coffee. <laughs> Idiomatic's just going to end up, you know, sitting back and enjoying, uh, enjoying itself, you know, just probably drinking a full cup of coffee, not a sip, because it'll yeah. be on the lead on its own after that first quarter, thinking it's over. But that's just going to come flying by. Claire is going to be all the way back, a horse that's off the screen, and then eventually be like, oh, wait, there's a race going on and get going and go right by Secret Oath. And you know, flex on secret oath as the horse flies by saying, I got you again, and forget the nest is still in this race. And that's how I see it happening. Look, and, and Penn State is going to break my heart again. No, I know, that's but Penn State Scott play. says, One, the one will win on the lead, can't pass a horse you can't catch. I don't disagree with you, Penn State Scott, considering she has what looks like the pace advantage on paper. But I'll tell you what, she the buyers say it, and she looks very fast. But this, this is a different ball game. This is the I mean, it's this is the top of the top of the division. And if Idiomatic wins on Saturday, she will definitely turn some heads as to um, her like things like her Breeders' Cup chances. But beating Nest and Clarier, even with a front end advantage, is going to be a very tough 
thing. And the guys, like I said, I don't know if we have to really talk about this race too much at all. I'm pretty much almost think we're done. I mean, 63 caliber is a nice horse in her own right, but won at an optional claiming 80,000. Obviously, she did, to her credit, she did beat Nostalgic, who came back to run a very nice race yeah. uh, last time out in an optional claiming, got a 96 buyer. But um, I clicked the wrong thing. Sorry. Back workouts, by the way. But um, but to her credit, it's again, it's not Nest. It's not Clarier. It, it seems like a two horse race on paper. It most likely will be a two horse race on paper. Got to give credit to the queen of the Oaks secret oath. But that last race does not give me any indication that she's going to run very well in this spot. And being that she's going to be right next with Nest and Clarier, it just comes down to me where um, who do I want coming from the back out of those three? And for me, Secret Oath is much to the bottom of those two, in my opinion. But she is a great horse in her own right, and hopefully she can catch a piece underneath. And all you people that are giving a shit about Secret Oath, man, she looked so much the best on paper. Not Okay, I shouldn't say that. But look from a pace perspective, she looked much the best on paper. Clarier is just a monster, and that's the way it goes. But I, I'm giving you all, all of you out there. We're all back in Howard. I come on, man. We got to give a little bit of credit to us. But I'm going Nest on top. Nest Clarier idiomatic. Patrick's going Clarier Nest idiomatic, and Charlie is going Nest Clarier um, secret oath. So, like I said, I don't think we need to talk much more about that race. It's going to be a fantastic race on Friday, and hopefully, we just see some of the best of the best slug it out. Nice trips for everybody, and Nest wins by about a length with Clarier closing behind her but we'll see when we get to friday last race of the day is another maiden special weight one hundred thirty-six thousand. as my drf refuses to load so we'll switch over to equibase going this one is also going five and a half furlongs on the turf and if it's off it will go five and a half on the main track and mike monroe just joining in yep we did um cover that michael you also were in here um, he has a slight fractured left wrist and a dislocated collarbone. He will not be on his mounts this week. Um, Michael Austin, um, uh, I got to scroll up in the chat again, Howard. I'm sorry. I cannot remember this horse's name for the life of me. Um, where is it? Uh, Burning Bright is the name of the horse. She uh, suffered a cardiac failure. Uh, she pretty much suffered a heart attack, broke through the inside rail, and unfortunately had to be um, euthanized. But Luis Saez was riding her, fell and dislocated uh, collarbone and fractured left wrist, as we talked about at the top of the show. But obviously, I know you guys weren't here. It was a very um, disgruntled scene. Hopefully, he makes a quick recovery. And unfortunately, to all the connections, um, condolences to all of them. But guys, switching over to the last races we were talking about, um, there's a draws a full field of 11 on the turf with one MTO. Obviously, Saez will not get the mount. We will look to see who does. Well, five and a half furlongs on the turf with a very lukewarm favorite in the number two, Kawichin for Florent Giroux and Wesley Ward, which is another thing that you don't see very often in Florent Giroux riding for Wesley Ward. But looking over the picks and surprise, muff, surprise, Charlie goes with the number two on top and actually has our top pick nowhere wow. who is the chad brown to the outside the number 10 and nine to two charlie you get the opportunity and the honor of telling us why we are completely wrong in this spot and why my dear if one doesn't load and two 
why you like Kawichin. Well, I feel a little bit better about myself right now because I asked in the chat if people thought I put Wesley Ward on top, and the chat said no. So, you know, you might have thought Ooh. it wasn't a surprise, but the chat still didn't see it coming. So I feel a little bit better. But no, you're right. Normally, I, you know, you've seen Johnny V a lot with uh, Wesley Ward. So it certainly is an interesting combination. But look, I mean, the horse came back off the layoff, ran a much better figure. I know the horse didn't get the job done. Um, and, you know, was obviously not surprised, bet to favoritism. And I get it. Look, the horse is starting to look like a money burner. I completely get it. We've talked about this countless times on the show. It feels like the two things we always say are we have baby races where we say you got to see the board. And we have these maiden races where we say this is like the horse's last chance to prove them right. And I think this is this horse's chance. I'm Kowichin. Uh, I don't know if I butchered the name, whatever. The point is this horse's figures are so much better than the rest of this field. If this race stays on the turf, obviously if it goes off, you probably put the MTO or maybe the Chad Brown horse I'd probably honestly put on top of this switch's surface. But if this stays on the turf, this horse has the figures. Came back second time off the layoff for Wesley Ward. I think this horse should romp this field. I really do like this horse. The only reason I didn't end up making this one of my best bets was simply because of the surface thing worrying me is I don't know if this will stay on the turf. I think this two is very tough. I think there are some other interesting horses. But yeah, I don't know. I just, the Chad Brown horse, if it's, I know maybe the horse was meant for dirt, I mean turf, and now it is on turf, yep. but the horse just doesn't do enough for me for me to take chance. And I don't think you're going to get value. I think that horse will be bet down. So since that's my strong horse I'm putting out on, I wanted to look for two value plays underneath. That was my angle, at least. I understand. And that's fully taken. It is, like you said, it. This it's just starting to look like a money burner. And this is kind of yeah. put up or shut up time for Kowichin here. But Wesley Wood obviously still has faith in this Philly. Hopefully. She gets a good trip from the inside, as I also have her in second. Patrick has her in third. Patrick, going to our top picks, number 10, Arasu Arasso. This, what is with these names today? I'm, 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 and I'm, but I'm the person that's got to deal with it because I'm the one <laughs> announcing it. Yeah. Uh, but Arasso for Chad Irad Ortiz. I'm going to go to the dam and the grand dam, where's where the, the turf breeding comes from, which I'm sure you saw as well. But what'd you like most about Arasso? Yeah, you know, I, I I like that. You know, she showed uh, last in her last race. I know it was on the dirt. wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to be on the turf. You know, obviously Saratoga's been getting a lot of rain. Yeah. I just liked how she showed. Um, you know, the willingness to you know fight back. You know, she was five wide. Um, and and she improved throughout that race. And in this spot, um, I think she's going to sit from off the pace in a spot with a lot of speed. Um, and this horse should thrive on, on the turf with, especially we all know Chad um, is fantastic with the turf uh, races. And uh, you know, this horse should be perfect. Second off um, second out. I completely agree with you. Obviously Chad always meant this horse for turf. As I go to the family tree here, Je- uh, Goyas um, was an unraced dam, but genuine quality was a very nice turf sprinter over in Ireland. Um, over in Great Britain, excuse me, came over to the States at Santa Anita, never won, but ran some pretty decent buyers. And Lessie's Lady, the other Grand Dam, was another very nice horse. Um, obviously, back in 2000, but sprinting on the turf was also her forte. So the de- the breeding is there. Chad has always meant this horse for turf. Second time out, there's just a lot of things that are pointing to Arasso saying go on Friday. And I think that he is or she is. She is very interesting. Strike two. She is very interesting on Saturday or Friday. But Patrick, you have the number four Riviere for George Weaver, and obviously not Luis Saez. But what'd you like most about Riviere's your second choice? Yeah, uh, that horse also comes out of that last race in Saratoga that got switched. That sprint race that got switched back yep. to the uh, dirt. Um, she didn't like the dirt either. 
Um, you know, if she gets back to her uh, Belmont on debut race, um, you know, she's been working well on the turf. Um, I think she'll improve, you know, from that turf race. And I think she should be right there. I mean, I think if she improves um, as well as the 10 does, you know, the two has not shown me anything to make me think that she, you know, she's a clear favorite. So I'll take a shot with a horse that, you know, is going to be better odds and has shown talent. This is the very, the very spot that we look for, you know, like a favorite who likes to run second and third will be bet down again. And you're just looking for prices. Riviera, like the, um, the back to turf angle uh, running a 69 could easily improve off that this time, getting back to the turf. If it stays on, of course, I'm not going to sound like a broken record, but it's the obvious elephant in the room. Riviera is definitely interesting coming back on the turf. Charlie, I'll let you touch on your two horses before we get to our last races, but we'll go through them pretty quickly here. Yeah, look, for me, honestly, I feel like when a horse has only run four or five races, I still think it's too early to talk about a horse that doesn't get the job done and that can't, like, that likes to finish second, third. Now, this, ladies and gentlemen, now, th- this is a horse that does not like to win and wants to finish second and third. So, no, you're thinking, why is this horse in my top three? Well, for me, it's very simple. Again, if I'm as confident, assuming again that this race stays on the turf, that the Wesley Ward horse will be very tough to beat, why not look for a horse that consistently puts up very solid figures and has an obsession with seconditis and finishing second? You know, I feel like Joel Rosario, this horse has good figures. Can I think we'll set a nice stalking trip just off the speed. I think this horse will close up and probably run well. I just don't think the horse will win, but I think the horse will be right there. A horse that still has finished 12 out of 16 races in the money. So the horse isn't a bad horse. The horse likes to run well. She just doesn't like to win. So I think risk-free will certainly be somewhere. And at 8-1, to one, I mean, if this horse comes underneath in second, you have it in exacta, you're getting it underneath. So that was my angle with uh, with risk-free. Um and then I'm going to let you pronounce the nine horse to introduce it for me because I feel like you love pronouncing those kind of names. So can you introduce the nine? Oh, that, that's that's Oolong High. I know that one. That one's pretty uh, Oolong easy, High. Uh, I don't know. A lot of O's for me. <laughs> you should have put um, him on the spot, Kyle, and made him say <laughs> I should have done that. That would have been better. But, anyway, uh, but yeah, for Oolong High, just, I, I like the outside <laughs> gate for this horse. I think this horse will certainly be sending with the 107 early pace. Uh, and again, just another one that always is somewhere around there in the money. And I just think will just completely send it. Could end up surprising and get away from this field and win. Who knows? So certainly a price. I think this one is more likely to win than the five, but I just think the five is the safer bet to finish underneath. Uh, but another one, if you're looking for the exactors or a price to play, because I think you will get all of that six to one. Certainly an interesting one where if this one gets away, could win this race. I agree with you. I think along high, especially on the front end, looking like the speed of the speed. Although the the post, I probably like her a little more if she was more five, six post, but could definitely clear. There's not a whole lot of speed to her inside. So being uh, out of the nine post shouldn't hurt her too much. I like Oolong High a lot. Will be interesting in this spot. But Katie, thanks so much for doing this. So I see you a lot. I love the I love the Elite Power Gun Night rivalry talk that's being in the chat right now. Elite Power could win. I think it could literally go either way. They're two of the best horses in training, in my opinion. And if Gun Knight gets a better pace set up, will actually stop being goofy and switching leads all the time. I think Gunite's very dangerous, and obviously Elite Power is just a monster in his own right. Another great uh, edition of that race will be coming up on Saturday. But I also have the number 10 in first if it comes off the turf. I just think second time out for Chad, working well on the dirt, show that he could run well on the dirt. Um, I think Arasso is very interesting no matter what service she runs on. I also have the number five, Charlie Swartz, on the turf. I have the number five risk-free and second on the dirt. I just think her dirt, uh, her dirt form will definitely show up if this race comes off, especially a bunch against a bunch of, um, you know, turf meant runners. So risk-free is definitely uh, interesting for me if this race comes off the turf. 
And then I have number 12, White Chocolate, the MTO for Chad Summers and uh, whoever picks up the mount for Luis Saez. But this horse is working bullet after bullet on the, at the Oklahoma in the mornings. He will definitely be forwardly placed and will not – she, that's strike three, I'm out, by the way. So Patrick's now hosting. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she should be forwardly placed and um, will not be out in the 12-hole most likely. There will be some scratches to the inside. So white chocolate being out of the eight post, I'd like her a lot more than the 12, but there's a lot of interesting ways you can go. If this race comes off the turf being whichever runners stay in, I'm going 10 to nine. Patrick's going 10, four two. Charlie's going two five, nine. And if this race comes off the turf, I'm going 10, five, 12 guys uh, switching to our best bets. Now we'll keep it pretty short and sweet for you guys and we'll move on. But Charlie, your best bets for the weekend are the number one, with uh, a win on the number one prove right in the fifth race, which we actually didn't talk about race number seven and exacta three over one and at race number 10 and exacta two or five. Go ahead. Talk about your best bets. Yeah, so I'll talk uh, the majority of it just about proven right since or proved right since that's the only race we didn't cover. Yeah, this horse, I mean, unfortunately, was supposed to have Louis size, as you've already touched on with the uh, injuries. We'll see who picks up the mount. Uh, but this horse came off a, a, a solid 82 figure, second best figure. Uh, and as you kind of mentioned with the angle, you like back to back 82 figures. Uh, ran against Fort Bragg, ran against much tougher competition than this, uh, went to a, a level like this field, and then ended up winning going away after sitting off the pace. I think this horse will come back and win again nicely. Just pay attention to everyone, as Kyle mentioned, to see who's uh, on the mount for that race. Uh, and then as we touched on uh, with race seven, uh, I made it clear that I really do like Headland in this spot. Um, so for me, I was just looking for a horse to put underneath. And as you mentioned, uh, that the one horse should sit that perfect trip off the pace. So because of that, I think that the horse could close up and get there, but just not quite in time. And then in race 10, as I touched on, I, I love the Wesley Ward horse, think the horse should absolutely win. So if that's how I feel, I want to look for a price underneath that five horse has an obsession with coming in second. So hopefully that obsession continues uh, and I can get a nice pail with that horse at eight to one underneath. So those are my three best bets. Jim, I see that comment in there. I ain't bringing it up, but you know, I, I'll take I'll take the crap because I got three strikes. I'm out for the day. But um, <laughs> damn it, uh, Patrick, your best bets for the two for the weekend are the race number seven, a win on the number eight on the ones and twos, and then race number nine, a double six ten ice cold, ice cold. Yeah, on the ones and twos, Norm Cassie um, hitting at an unbelievable rate. Um, that horse is going to be second off the layoff. I really like that horse, um, especially at nice odds. And then that ice cold double in the personal ensign, Clarier, Miss Clarier uh, with um, Arasso, uh, the 10. I, I think you get some nice odds in the doubles there. Um, and yeah, that'll be my uh, that'll be my bets. You know, I'll, I'll play Ness. Don't worry. I'll have Ness people. It's not, I'm not fading Ness, but I'm you know telling what? you, you know Clarier the- is ready to go. The last thing I'll close out this show with is, you know what the best part is? Is that every bet that Patrick just gave out, I basically have the complete opposite. Oh, that's so nice. I'm going with <laughs> good my two best bets. Uh, race number seven, I have a win on the number one, You Look Cold, the inside horse for Bill Mott, who I think it's a very, very nice trip. Stalking trip from that inside draw. And race number eight, a double on the turf. It's going to be 4-6 with Nest in the personal ensign. And if it switches to the dirt, I'm taking the two MTOs. 10, 11 with five. Obviously, check your probables, check your value, because if that race dumps come off the turf and there's not many horses that stay there, that double could be very, very bet down. So keep in mind value as you're looking at these races if they come off the turf, especially to those MTOs who generally just take a little bit more money 
on their own, being that their dirt horse is getting in to a turf spot. But those are my best bets. Good luck to everybody out there and to you guys as well playing this weekend, as I know we'll be out there. Thanks, guys, so much to everybody in the chat. You guys have been amazing as always. And I'll put Michael Austin's pick five as the man is putting it out there for everybody else. So I'm putting him on the spot as well, just like we are. He is both. Uh, I would usually give him shit for putting both Nest and Clarier in there, but I get it. It's very hard to choose between the two. Uh, for those YouTube viewers, that's Michael Austin's late pick five. Looks pretty cheap as well. Uh, good luck, Michael, if you play that, which I'm sure you will on Friday. But guys, uh, thank you guys again so much in the chat. You guys have been awesome tonight. It's been absolutely great. Um, and that is true. NCAA football does start this weekend, even though first weeks, um, you know, yeah, whatever. But Irish, I, are, Irish are in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. No one cares. No one cares about uh, that. No one cares about Ohio State. It's all about Michigan. They're winning that shit this year. Doesn't matter. Uh, number two team in the country right now will be number one. Yeah, by the cheating end. coach who got suspended. Oh, here we oh, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, yeah, hold on, yeah, hold on. Yeah, I give it up. At least we don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Where's your uh, former head coach that got fired? <laughs> uh, he was busy trying to go to the NFL and installing a, a hostile NF, work environment. NF, yeah, hostile work environment. That's where you go with but it. Not but not at college. At OSU, was great. The Florida team, he's never in any crime. Urban Myers uh, is innocent at OSU as it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Whatever you say, the Ohio State fan defending Urban Meyer. But, guys, again, uh, in all serious, thank you guys so much for watching this episode. For Patrick and Charlie, it's been your host, Kyle Roscoe, in episode number 36 of Betting and Boozing. Thanks, guys, again, and crush your bets this Friday and Saturday for Travers weekend at Saratoga. Check that show out tomorrow night with Howard, Pete and Paul and have a great night, everyone.